Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We're glad that you're here today, and it is going to be a great day. I just believe I have the Word of the Lord. I just believe that God is moving, and He wants to do something great in your life and in mine. We want to welcome everyone watching, connecting with us around the world. I hate, you know, I was thinking about this. I don't like the word watching. Because the reality is that our faith is not a spectator sport. That's why it's important you come back as soon as you're ready to, as soon as you feel safe, because we're doing everything we can to keep you safe. But understand this, this is not about watching, and and that's why the presence, listen, the Bible talks about the Shema of God, the Shema. That means the tangible, manifested presence. And you you can communicate that through a screen to a certain extent. But you can't get the full measure of what that presence means to your spirit to be in that presence. Amen? Amen. Anyway, glad that you're here today. Today's message is called Waves of Glory. I saw on the screen before service different things going in, going around on our announcements, and it said that this month is it's dragon slayers, you know, uh, giant slayers, giant killers, dragon slayers. That's, that's last month. We're in a new season, a new message right now called Tsunami Catching the Next Wave of Revival. Today's message is called Waves of Glory. Habakkuk chapter 3 is where we're going to start, and then to Psalm 42. Habakkuk 3, 2. Habakkuk says this, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. And that word afraid is not just like terrified, it's It's like I was in reverential awe of your holiness. Oh, Lord, I've heard your speech and I was in awe. Oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. And in wrath, remember mercy. My friends, revival begins with a wave of God's mercy that we neither earned nor do we deserve. Psalm 42, verse 7 from the Amplified says this, Roaring deep calls to roaring deep of the thunder of your water spouts. All your breakers and your rolling waves have gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. The Bible says that God rolls over us with his presence and the power of his word like roaring breakers, roaring waves. When you're at the ocean and hear that sound, roaring loud and intense, the Bible says, yet his loving kindness toward us, his people, works in the daytime when things are good and it works in the nighttime when things seem bleak. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart and give us an understanding heart, leaning into you to focus on your purpose and your power in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Last week we introduced a new thought, a fresh thought concerning our desperate need for a fresh move of God in this nation and around the world. My text last week, my opening text was, 
Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But it's for a reason so that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. That the shaking always produces the remnant of people that are trusting God. We said without repentance, there can be no revival. And you can't really repent till you have a godly sorrow where you recognize your own impurities. We said God is calling us back to himself, back to our ancient covenant with him as a nation, back to his original purpose and mandate for our country. We also said that a house that rages and wars against its foundation cannot stand. And my friends, make no mistake, we're in a battle for the heart and soul of our land. And the battle's not over just because the election's over. In fact, when we found out that Ashley had passed away on Wednesday night, who cared about an election? And yet as I have prayed this week, I realized that that broken heart that we felt, my wife and I were just doubled over in pain as the reaction as my wife got the phone call from Pastor TK of what had happened, God's heart breaks when his family is divided. Right down the middle. Let there be no gloating. Let there be no dancing over a division in our country. Because in that division... Without revival, nobody wins. Throughout human history, the fallen world has had moments where it spirals headlong toward a bottomless pit of sin, corruption, and self-destruction until the God of creation, our Heavenly Father, responds to the cries of His people. And I said last week, and I repeat, I believe there is a tsunami wave of God's glory about to hit the earth. When the tide quickly goes out or the shaking comes, get your surfboard ready. Because thus saith the Lord, this is not the time to be afraid. Fear is a liar. Instead, I hear the Spirit of God saying, surf's up. Surf's up. Now, what is revival? The biblical word for revival in the Hebrew in the Old Testament is the word chaya. It's like chaya, like a big old chub, chaya. The word chai means life. Chaya, revival, means to live or live again or make alive. To nourish up, preserve, quicken, recover, repair, restore, or be whole. Also save in the New Testament. Revive is sozo, to save or to raise up something that was dead or asleep. The first few times in Scripture, revival is the word used to describe a supernatural re-energizing of the human spirit, soul, or body. First time it's in Scripture in Genesis, the Bible says Jacob is an old man and he's waiting for his promise to come to pass as their food supply is running out and he doesn't know that Joseph, his son, has become the prime minister of Egypt and has a wisdom from heaven to bring salvation to Egypt and to Israel. And the Bible says that when he 
Jacob saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob revived. The spirit of Jacob revived. He's an old man, but his spirit woke up. And he was alive, excited. He might have even danced around. One of the next times is in the book of Judges, speaking of Samson, that God, one day when Samson was in a battle, he was without any water. And the Bible said God gave him supernatural water out of a dry bone. Out of a dry bone. And the Bible says in, in Judges, and when he had drunk the water from the dry bone, his spirit came again. And he revived. Revival is a spiritual quickening power. And it's not based on natural circumstances. It is based on God's connection with you. In the first actual Holy Ghost revival in the New Testament in Pentecost, we call it Pentecost. The Bible says the Holy Spirit filled all, everybody say all. all. Filled all of the believers who lasted the 10 days of waiting on the Lord. By the way, there were 500 that heard Jesus say, go in the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father and don't do anything Till he shows up, because when he shows up, I'm showing up. Right. Out of 500, only 120 stayed. Right. That's not a very good odd. That's a remnant. Right. And those in the remnant experienced power, the Bible says. The literal text says, as if struck by lightning. That the Holy Spirit filled them and it changed their language, it changed their focus, and it changed their daily routines. And more importantly, it changed them. When other people asked the question when they saw that revival in action, on the first day of the New Testament church, people approached and said, what do these things mean? That we hear you speaking in other languages. We hear, we see the difference. What's going on? And in Acts chapter two, Peter spoke on behalf of the disciples, the apostles, and said, this is that. This is that. Acts 2, verse 16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Verse 21 says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, changed, set free, spirit, soul, and body. My friends, a revival is about restoration. In the book of Joel, as God spoke there, this in the first day of the church about Joel Joel is the one that said, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Fueled by the Holy Spirit, there is a restoration, there is revival for all people groups. The Bible says all flesh will see it. It impacts children and youth. Sons and daughters will prophesy. It produces a prophetic people. What does that mean, pastor? Does that mean I'm gonna preach? No, it means this. You're gonna prophesy. And the word prophesy means to speak under inspiration and say what God is saying. 
It is supernatural. And this move is inclusive. Revival affects young men. They're going to see visions. It affects old men. They're going to dream dreams. Like Jacob, having his spirit revived within him. It breaks down to the generation gap between young and old. It breaks down the gender gap because it's men servants and maid servants and they shall prophesy. My friends, we need to know what real revival looks like. It's not just about a, woo. Oh, did you feel that? I got, a, I, got a, I got goosebumps today at church. That's wonderful. But if you got revived, if you got something that jolted, you got more than a goosebump, my friend. You got something that's deposited on the inside of you that's going to produce something great. Jesus told us to ask, seek, knock, press in, and chase him for revival. These are words of actions that we can all do. Why does he tell us to do that? Listen to this. We rarely find what we're not looking for. Why am I talking about revival this whole month? Because we don't find what we're not looking for. Shoot, I have trouble finding stuff I'm looking for without calling to my wife. I know I had it here. Where is it? We all have stuff, but the Bible says, it teaches this principle. You've got to be looking for God to move. There was a day in the book of Acts where there's a man sitting by the gate beautiful. The Bible says he was a lame man. And because he was lame, he was unqualified, disqualified to even go into God's house. He could not go in. He was blemished. He was marked. He couldn't go in. He was impure. He was imperfect. He couldn't go inside. And the Bible says that that day he's sitting there. Peter and John were on their way to prayer. And the man interrupted them, the Bible says, and said, hey, would you give me some money? Give me some help. And Peter and John stopped. And they looked at the man, the Bible says, he looked at them, listen, expecting to receive something. If you're not expecting to receive anything, then you're not in faith. God is still moving. He's still working. He's still God. That man, as Peter looked down at him, Peter said, look, I, what I have for you is better than money. Because if I give you some money, you're just going to be back out here tomorrow. He said, I have something better. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then the Bible says they bent down and lifted the man. And as they lifted him, the Bible says strength came into his ankle bones and his feet and his legs. And he stood there praising and rejoicing. And the people looked at him and they said, what, what's happened to him? And the Bible says that the next thing that Peter and John did, this man who was unfit, <clears throat> unqualified, 
by Old Testament law, could not go into the temple. His first act in being healed and made whole was to go into the church, to go into the temple. Because now, listen, revival takes people that are lame, that are, that are incapacitated, that are unqualified for the mercies of God. And it qualifies them and heals them and heals you and heals me and makes us fit and ready to be in the presence of God. I love that thought. We rarely find what we're not looking for. We have to desire, require, and inquire. And Pastor Lindsay wanted me to say, and sing in the choir. No, 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 no. No. Characteristics of revival. First and foremost, and I said this Wednesday night, if you're watching our prayer meeting live from, from here, First and foremost, I believe revival always includes a love revolution. A love revolution. People ask me for years to describe what I feel when I sense the presence of God coming into the room or coming upon me to preach the word or to pray for people, whatever it is. Sometimes you don't feel anything, by the way. <clears throat> but many times what I feel is not like a electricity like I felt the first time I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1986. But most of the time what I feel like this is like love personified just walked in the room and there's no more room in my heart to hold bitterness, strife, anxiety, anger, bitterness, or resentment. When love comes in, anger has to go out. When love walks in, hatred has no place to hide. When love walks in, the Bible says, perfect love, the agape of God, perfect love casts out fear. In other words, when love personified, when the love revolution hits, when you sense love walking in the room, fear has to run away afraid. It casts out, perfect love casts out. It drives out fear like Jesus drove out demons. Don't be afraid. It is a love revolution that gets us back to our first love. It is real and deeply heartfelt and you can't pretend it. You can't manufacture it. When love revolution hits, it's not you trying to say, I love everybody. Oh, do you love them? I love you, I love you, I love you. Love you. Love you at home, love you. No, that's... That's not the God kind of love. The God kind of love is powerful. When the Bible says God is love, it's not talking about the emotion you felt when you met your spouse. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. When the Bible says God is love, the word there is agape or agapeo. It is a, it is a selfless, supernatural, unconditional, powerful, forceful love. Has nothing to do with lust. Has nothing to do with liking people. It is a supernatural love of God and love for God. It's a love for God. That's how it begins. The Bible says you shall love the Lord your God with most of your heart, little bit of your soul, part of your strength. No. 
In fact, in, in the scripture, when Jesus said, you want to know the two greatest commandments? Number one, love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Folks, how many know that's not possible without God doing the work? That's not you going, okay, I want that. It's you expecting God to drop it inside. So love revolution. Love for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Renewed passion for his presence. A love revolution is a thankful heart. It's a change of priorities. It's a love for God's house. It's a love for God's house. To be part of his body. To be part of his vision, his purpose, his mission, his work, and his service. It's a love revolution for the word. It's a, it's a love for the word. Bible reading becomes intimate thoughts from the Lord to you. Not just you just going through and, okay, let me read a chapter. It becomes aha moments where God speaks something that lifts off of a page or a screen and hits you right inside. And you know that he's saying, I love you with an everlasting love. In fact, Charles Finney, the great revivalist, even defined revival as, quote, nothing more or less than a new beginning of obedience to the word of God. I mean, obedience is better than sacrifice. Revival also includes a renewed love for people. Love for people, family and friends. You cherish them when love comes in. When love comes in, your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, you love them. There's a love you can't explain. You don't even know them, but your heart is for them. There's a love for people that, number three, goes to others, lost and broken souls, if you will. You, suddenly there's a, there's a concern for lost people. Instead of saying, well, that's an enemy of God because they have separated themselves, there's a compassion that comes upon you to care for lost people and to pray for them and to begin to share your faith with them little by little to warm them to God. Produces a greater power to witness and win and warm people that God brings around you. How do you know when you need personal revival? How do you know? How do you recognize it? Because, you know, you can be going through this life, as Habakkuk said, in the midst of the years, in the midst of the time. My friends, the days seem long sometimes, but the years go by fast. And the longer you live, the more you realize it. How do you know when you need personal revival? How do you recognize the spiritual low tides and the ebbs where the tide is going out so fast that there's something on the horizon that you know you need? First, prayer life becomes you doing your chores. Prayer life is, I gotta pray now. Okay, uh, dominoes, 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 dominoes. It's, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's praying written out without your heart in it. It's the, for some of you raised in a certain way, maybe it's the Hail Marys of the Our Fathers. It's doing a prayer and not praying a prayer. 
Prayer becomes chores. It becomes out of obligation instead of revelation. If that's the case, you need revival. Next, distractions. This is important. Distractions, when you need revival, when the tide goes out on your spirit, distractions become obsessions. You get distracted and suddenly it is your whole focus. You no longer seek first the kingdom of God. <coughs> Excuse my friend, the, the enemy's number one tactic is to get the church to focus on anything other than the mission of Jesus. And no matter what happens in this world, our mission has not changed. No matter what happened this week, our mission has not changed. We are still praying for revival. We are still in 40 days of prayer. Day, what is it, honey, 22? Day 22. We just passed the halfway point. We're leaning in. We're pressing into God. We are still, now church, building a relevant, creative church, empowering people to reach others. That's our mission. That was the mission 10 years ago. It was our mission 10 weeks ago, it's our mission last week, and it's our mission now, and it's our mission in the future. Relevance, meeting people where they are. Creativity, not just going through the motions. Empowering you to reach, to help other people. That's what this thing is about. The moment we forget it, we need revival. Because we can just go through the motions and just, when life becomes about paying bills or just earn enough money to keep food on the table, paying bills, pay your rent, the mortgage, keep the lights on. My friends, that's not living, that's existing. Living is for Him. Don't get obsessed by the distractions of darkness. Next, you need revival when you realize you are easily pulled into carnality. Carnality. Carnality means your baser self, your old self, that it is still hiding away, alive and well. Romans 8 is all about the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 says this, the carnal mind is enmity with God. That means the, your natural mind is the enemy of the Holy Spirit because then you're trying to figure it all out and do it yourself without God. You need revival. The word enmity literally means hostility. That your natural mind is actually hostile toward the things of the Spirit of God because they make no sense without you being, without Him revealing to you. There's a hostility there. You're easily pulled into carnality. There's a worldly pull. There's a worldly pull. Wrong associations pop up. Wrong associations, old friends, old acquaintances just pop up almost as if from God as a noble cause. And instead of you lifting them up, it allows you to pull somebody down that's, that's already on a high place than just to pull somebody up who doesn't want to come up. He who has ears to hear, 
Let him hear. Moral compromise. You need revival. Listen, if, you, if you're already put in carnality, there is moral compromise. It is that what we said last week, drifting. Drifting. Moral compromise is this. You drift and you flirt to, with the line and go right up to it. And you flirt with stuff you thought you would never do again or that you would never do in the first place. How many times in 30 years as your pastors have we had broken people, great people, God lovers, wind up broken, meeting with us here at the church? With a broken marriage or a broken life and they say, I knew better. I knew I shouldn't. But I never thought this would happen to me. The Bible says, let him who thinks he stands in his own strength, take heed, pay attention, lest he fall. You need revival if you become what Hebrews 5 says, dull of hearing. When, you, when, you're, when, my, when the words that your pastors are saying to you and preaching to you and you've connected yourself to this vision, this leadership, when you think, when the moment that these words fall to the ground before you get to your car in the parking lot after church, you need revival. The moment that my words become Charlie Brown's teacher, you need revival because you don't have ears that are actually hearing the life-changing, transformative word of God. You need revival. Say, I need revival. In that dull of hearing, listen, the Bible says you actually lose sensitivity to the spirit. You lose sensitivity. You become desensitized to, the, to even the atmosphere. So when the presence of God comes in, like in that final song we were singing today and we just got to the chorus and the, I, I forget what we were singing, but it was so powerful. And I just sensed God just, whew. and yet there's always people that I just look around and just, <clears throat> oh, that's good. That was nice. Oh, that's a nice song. I like the words. Oh, the music. Yeah, it was very, that was great. Joey on guitar was extra good today. Ooh, I like guitars. <laughs> Joey said, did you say that yourself? You said that. Somebody, somebody in Joey's fan club said preach. Somebody loves Joey Steele, our Steele guitar player. Anyway, listen. If you come into an atmosphere where God is moving and you can't sense him, you need revival. If you are watching at home from your easy chair, I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's a couple weeks ago, somebody's watching from the toilet. I'm not going to talk about you. We never did hear from them. My son said I should have just said, don't get up. But wherever it is that you're watching, if you're just... Popping popcorn, 
and watching service, whether it's live or sometime this week or whatever in the future, put your popcorn down for a minute. Because this is not, as I said earlier, a spectator situation. This is God wanting to touch your heart and touch your life. And if you can't sense his word, the power of his presence, the presence and power of his word, if you can't get that, you need revival. couple more things and I'm done. Next, you've become vulnerable to deception. Now here's the problem. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. When you're believing a lie, you don't know you're believing a lie. That's what deception is. Deception is you're believing lies instead of the truth. Second Thessalonians Chapter 2 says this, verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, look at this, because they did not receive the love of the truth. It goes back to love revolution. You're going to love the truth, you're going to be good. You're not going to fall in love with the word of God, the truth of the word. The Bible says, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, look at this. God will send or allow them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be, may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now this is scary. Because the Bible says the moment you begin to harden yourself, you get, you get so dull of hearing that you actually begin to embrace the lies of the enemy. And you now fall in love with the lies God will step back and lift his hand and let you, let you believe the lie. Like full on. You want to believe it? Just believe it. Like Peter walking on the water to Jesus. I like thinking about Peter walking on the water sometimes, especially when we're talking about a tsunami. Peter walking on a wave. But he looked around, the Bible says, and he looked around and saw waves and winds and began to sink. My friends, if you keep looking at natural conditions, God will enhance those and you will get obsessed with natural conditions and you will sink. But the moment he put his eyes back on Jesus, what's that song we used to sing? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We need to look upon Jesus. As soon as Peter got his eyes off of what was going on and back onto Jesus, Jesus grabbed him and they were back at the boat. Instantly, just bam, bam. Back at safety, back in the boat. Finally, this pride and complacency. Pride and complacency. You need if you if you're to a place where you're where you begin to think that you're all that without God, or maybe you even pretend that it's God on you. But the moment you step into pride and complacency, and they work together, by the way. Self becomes more important than God. 
Apathy envelops you and you don't even care that you don't care. The Bible says at this point, when you believe the lie, and if you look at what I said about needing revival, these are almost progressions. It's almost steps in a downward spiral. At any moment, you can turn back to God and open yourself up. But you got to know the signs. In the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 from the message, Jesus says this to the church of Laodicea. I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. Remember, he loves his church. He said, I know you inside and out and I find little to my liking. I'm not enjoying you. You're not cold and you're not hot. Far better either to be cold or hot. But you're lukewarm, you're stale, you're stagnant, and you make me want to vomit. This is the words of our Savior. You brag, here's the point. You brag, I'm rich, I got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Look how good my life is going. Oblivious to the fact, listen, that you are a pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless spiritually. What's the antidote? Verse 18. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to close with this. Here's what I want you to do. Jesus said, buy your gold from me, not Rosalind Capital. Only Fox News viewers know that one. Buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough and buy medicine for your eyes while you're at it. From me, from me, medicine for your eyes from me. It's not that I'm going to go in the drugstore. Buy medicine for your eyes from me so you can see, really see. Listen to this. I know you're not going to like it. It's the truth. Verse 19. The people that I love, I call to account. You just stop there for a second. If God's dealt with you on something, it's not because he's picking on you. It's because you're his favorite. And he loves you. If God's dealing with you, that is the best. If you'll just hear him and respond. The people I love, I call to account. I prod and correct and guide so that they'll live at their best. Isn't that what you want? Up on your feet then, about face, run after God. My friends, I believe in suddenly seasons when there's a realization of eternal things. Ecclesiastes 3 says God has placed a sense of eternity into human hearts. This week in all the election mess, we lost a precious life in our church. Ashley Constantino, a single mom with an amazing son named Nehemiah, which I didn't even know to this week because I, I know him as Nemo because around this church we're always finding Nemo. We have another kid in our church we love here called Jedi. We may be the only church in the world with a Jedi and a Nemo in the same church. Isn't that awesome? I love that. 
Now somebody's going to name their child Chewbacca, but anyway, that's another name. My friends, Nemo's going to need his church family. I mentioned this at the end because Ashley was here last Sunday. Actually, during first service, she was the one welcoming the preschoolers back for their first Sunday morning since beginning of March, middle of March. As she's been saved maybe a year and a half, the family came to our helicopter candy drop in April of 2019. And if we did that helicopter candy drop for nobody else in that two or 3,000 people that were on our property that day, we did it that day for the Constantino family. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that the whosoevers could find mercy. No one has a promise of tomorrow. I hate to be that clear, but that's what revival is about. That's why we're believing and praying for revival. We are fasting, we are praying, we are pulling, we're believing. Why? Because heaven is real. And there's nothing like when you have somebody that's there one week that suddenly the next week to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord instantaneously. She stepped out of this dimension on Wednesday night and stepped into glory, a glory that is unspeakable, a glory that is so filled with brightness that your human eyes couldn't take it. And she began to worship and to be in the presence of her savior who loved her and revealed himself to her. There's nothing like this moment when you actually can remember eternity. And if you can't think about eternity, you need revival. My friends, we have no guarantees. I pray that everybody here lives to be 120. But when one of our shining stars, and that's how I described her when I first said to my wife, gosh, that's one of our stars. She's one of our young stars in our church to give me hope for the future. There are waves of God's glory beginning to flow, even in the midst of the shaking of our nation right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right where you are at home, right where you are in this room, and consider the opportunity that God is giving to you to quit playing religious games, quit going through the motions, quit just acting like everything's gonna be okay. Listen, there's no way somebody in their mid-twenties imagines that they aren't going to be here a week later. I hope all of you are, but I want to say this to you. What you have is an opportunity right now in the presence of the Lord to accept Him, to receive Him, to embrace him, to require him, 
all over this place and everyone watching. This is your moment. Let him break your heart because right now his heart is broken and he loves you so much. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Even if you feel forsaken, he didn't do it. It's impossible. He can't lie. He can't forsake you. If you're here today and you say, I need some prayer. I want to get right with God. Would you just lift your hand up right where you are? Just put it up. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to coax you. I'm not going to cajole you. I'm going to tell you right now, lift your hand up and be bold about it and say, I need revival. I need revival. I need God to touch my life. I need a fresh touch of God. I need God to breathe on me. I need God. I need Jesus. All over this place, I pray for every person whose hand is raised, whose heart is open. And they're at home right now or in that hotel room or in that hospital bed, wherever you're watching right now, we pray right now that God would reveal himself to you and his mercy and his grace would come upon you, that waves of glory would come upon your life in a brand new way. Waves of glory, waves of grace, waves of mercy. The Bible says this, his mercy is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You know what it means? His mercy is new every morning. It means every day there's a fresh cup. There's a fresh cup. The best part of waking up is mercy in your cup. It's the mercy of God being revealed to you. And guess what? Tomorrow, there's gonna be another cup of mercy, just the size you need for tomorrow, but you gotta drink it. You gotta take it. You gotta take it into your life. All of you with your hands raised and everyone at home, say this out loud with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Breathe on me. Holy Spirit, forgive me of my foolish pride, thinking that I don't need you. I acknowledge today that I need you, want you, and invite you in to every area of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Change me from the inside out and heal my broken heart in Jesus' name. Amen. If you meant that today, then God is doing something to change you, to shape you, and to shake you. His love is here for you. And I believe he's speaking to your heart today. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.